0: Hi, I'm Marielle Hemingway. As a mental health advocate and author, I love books. Books have the capacity to inspire, educate, transform, and ultimately help readers all over the world. So if you want to publish your book or if you need help writing your story, I highly recommend Mindstir Media, rated the number one best book publisher around the country. Mindstir Media can help you no matter where you are in the book writing or publishing process go to mindstermedia.com to learn more and schedule a consultation this episode is brought to you by mindster media and the sunrise segment of the outcomes of Sun podcast radio
1: And now, comes the Sun with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Hello,
0: everybody. Welcome to Outcomes the Sun Radio with my amazing co-host, Melissa Yamaguchi, and myself, Mariel Hemingway. Mornings with Melissa and Mariel. So much fun. Mm, uh, good. Good. Mm, good. That's what morning with Marilyn and Melissa are Mm-mm, good. Oh my gosh! Only you, only you, only <laughs> you, only you can make my dreams come true. Anyway, what are we talking about this morning on this sunrise? You know, something that I I
2: find kind of intriguing is you and I were talking the other day on one of our morning jaunts about um a spiritual divorce. Ah yes, and ma- I'm intrigued to learn more. Can you explain what this is you've been reading
0: about it? And I'd like to know more. Well, I've been reading about it, and I actually I got divorced. How many years ago? Gosh, seventeen years ago uh, was my divorce. And I won't say that I, I I was looking into it at the time and thought I was I, I thought I did a pretty good job of staying within a reasonable. Place. And uh, really, just it, what it means is clearing the path, clearing the path towards clear communication and getting, you know, getting through the baloney. Because the reason why you've broken up is a, a million different reasons, right? But the reason w- why you get divorced and have a spiritual divorce is one where you can come to. a a harmonious conclusion to Mm -hmm. to your love together. And and I think that you venture into that decision remembering that there was a time when you truly loved this person. Right. You didn't get married or at least I hope one doesn't get married without a sense of like, ah, you know, I I mean, Mm -hmm. when I got married, I thought it was forever. right? Right. I thought that. And, you know, I was 20 three newly um, just turned 23 years old and very young and I was married for 24 years. And, you know, when it came to the end of that, there's all kinds of resentments that you could hold on and you could like use as ammunition. I think that a spiritual divorce really just means don't use your kids as ammunition. Wow. Right. Don't big one. Don't, don't use that against each other. It's such because you affect their lives for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. right? This is your issue with your partner who you want to become a former partner. Yes. But because you have kids, there has to be a continued communication with those, you know, with with your partner. And so you might as well do that in a place of harmony. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean, the truth is you just don't want to live with that person anymore. And it doesn't mean that, you need to then pull apart for the rest of your lives all the reasons why you are fed up or mad or angry or whatever. I agree. So that that to me, I mean, that's that's the emotional and whatever place that I tried to come to. I tried to come to the You know, I did it through we got divorced that many years ago through a a family lawyer, you know, like Mm -hmm. it was basically mediated and we split everything down the middle and it was fine. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just believe that we have we it's kind of like technology. This vitriolic sort of attack of the other person and all that stuff is it's horrible and it's horrible children. It's horrible to the kids because it plays out and everyone hears
2: everything, reads everything, everyone access to court papers at some point. But, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about my son Nobu's home from college and he had a buddy of his over the other night. And we were his friend Johnny and we were in the backyard and we were all kind of hanging out talking about different things. And the, the subject of ghosting came up. And ghosting people and you and i've discussed this before you know as friends walk talking and walking and sitting drinking coffee and talking and and whatever else we do but the thing we i was telling nobu and his buddy that i think ghosting is a bit chicken it's a cowardly way of handling things because if you just run and don't and don't avoid it so really like the pendulum swings so hard in both ways because emotions can rage at, like an inferno. And then you think you've got to handle it, especially when you're angry, which is the worst time to handle anything. Right. But I have divorced, for lack of a better word, um, friends before. Yes. That I just didn't feel yeah, like we should be... Okay. just as an right. inter- 100% different for well, the exactly emotional yeah that yeah been- the emotional ties are totally different wow. when we were talking about this this d- divorcing yourself from a friend and divorcing yourself from a, a relationship that's more intimate whether it's a long-term boyfriend or girlfriend or marriage uh, and okay. children are involved or not involved and we talked about some friends some people that we all knew whose parents were going through divorce at uh, different stages and how painful it was and so one of the questions came up was well, does it always have to be that way i've never heard of a good divorce does it have to be that way and i don't know if it has to be that way but i do know that you know, Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin came out with the term conscious uncoupling, which is what he, their therapist gave them. And I know that everyone was, snick, you know, snickering and giggling about how goofy and Hollywood it sounded. But I was intrigued by it because I thought that making a conscious effort to d- disassociate from the concept of marriage and that intimacy, that level, you're, you're angry, you're hurt, whatever, whatever decision you've come to. it looks as though their children seem to be what do i know pretty Mm -hmm. healthy and so i think this concept of conscious uncoupling of spiritual divorce uh, we need to give them more credit and more attention because our children are no matter their age i don't care if your children are two when you're divorcing or 32 it still
0: affects them. them you can't weaponize them and that's you know that's our society we weaponize everything Everything is weaponized. Sexuality is weaponized. You know, for, it's all about winning, isn't it? It's all about what that's exactly right. But when you think about relationships and you think about communication, you know, the worst kind of when I get in the worst like fights with Bobby, it's because both of us are trying to win something and yeah. when you're trying to win. You're not listening, mm-hmm. not slowing down and you're reacting, not responding. So yeah. it's it's really about being letting go of uh, uh, taking a breath and letting go of what you know that attack wanting to attack that visceral kind of like yeah you know like the right. part of you because really what does that do it doesn't help anybody no and it, even, if, even if even
2: and what does winning look like. What does winning look like? If you're with if you're in an argument with your loved one, uh, your lover, your husband, your mate, and you win, what does that look like? Because the person you love most other than perhaps your children is
0: is hurting. Yeah. So what have you won? What have you won? Nothing. Nothing. And your kids just, you know, it's hard. And, you know, and saying that it's hard, too, because, you know, when you do divorce somebody or even in a friendship, especially when you have kids and the kids are involved and you don't know about this because you're you're still with your spouse and it's wonderful. And your kid, you have a really beautiful family. But there is the, the there are times and I'm sure so many people who are listening can relate to this. There are times when you just love to defend yourself. Yeah. As you heard that your partner said this and oh, yeah they're going online or whatever and showing pictures of him and you just would love to go yeah you know wait you know that's not the truth or whatever yeah and again that's that's a a desire to one-up something that's right step it you know when when people say rise above the situation that's what that means It's, it's it's hard it's hard to do but you're better than that right yeah and and really did you get anything out of belitt- 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 no. a person? I, I,
2: I am still married to my to my my husband. We've been together for thirty-eight years. However, I am the child of divorce and my older brother divorced. So I was the child. In the middle of a divorce, and my parents were acrimonious, and I love them. They're friend. They're friends now. They get along beautifully. It's lovely to see at you know their age that they are truly friends, and they contact each other when they're catching up on the children, grandchildren, or great grandchildren. And so it's lovely. But I remember, I remember going through the divorce and how intense it was. And my two older brothers were away at college, and I was a senior in high school. And it's as though it's as though the world was crashing down anyway. But the anger heightened my own anxiety to a level I didn't know existed at that time because my life had been what it was. But now my life was turned upside down and yeah. I was 18. So, you know, then I watched my brother go through divorce and his children at the time were newly born 10 and 12. And the, it, it set their life on a different trajectory altogether. But I will tell you, you got to look for silver linings because my parents divorced my mother came to California. I'm from Oklahoma. I came out to California to meet, her, to be with her, to visit her, and um, got my hair did, and asked the hairstylist on a date. So, and that's the guy I've been with for a shake and a leg. So, silver linings, and you got to really, you got to push forward with the spiritual. I love this spirit, spiritual divorce, conscious uncou- uncoupling, and silver linings. I'm all about it. Sounds like a really good breakfast.
0: a good movie anyway that that was a great conversation stay tuned we have our friend and great guest john sonny coming up
2: now i'm jealous because you get to talk to him all your lonesome and i i I know but i know you held down the fort i know you did a great job but i'm going to be listening just as hard as our audience
0: there because he is exquisite so stay tuned next is our wonderful guest john sonny you're listening to outcomes and sun radio back.
2: Santa Barbara, you're listening to The Morning Show with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi, that'd be me, right here on KZSB 96.9 FM and 1290 AM in Santa Barbara.
1: Hi, it's Kevin Nealon. I have a new book out now called I Exaggerate My Brushes with Fame. It's a collection of my caricatures and accompanying anecdotes. Also, if that's not enough for you, I have a little hiking show on YouTube. It's a web series. It's called Hiking with Kevin. But more importantly, right now, you are listening and watching Outcomes the Sun with Muriel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Enjoy.
0: welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Outcomes of Sun Radio. And John Sané is our guest today. And we've had him on before. And he's an amazing human being who is highly acclaimed future strategist, bestselling author, global keynote speaker, Singularity University and Duke Corporate Education faculty member, and an associate partner at the Copenhagen Institute for Future Studies. John is a transformation specialist and bold change maker. And if you run a small business, and this is what we're going to be talking about today uh, a large business or a business of any size, including your home, and I consider that my business, uh, you don't want to miss what John has to say today about the future of business because we are moving into a new world, right? And maybe. Part of it is already there, but we are moving into a new world, and John really has his finger on the pulse of technology, neuroscience, and and business strategy, whose cutting-edge ideas will lead you and your team into a bold new tomorrow. But thank you. Welcome back.
3: Thank you so much. Wonderful to be here again with you.
0: Oh, it's so good. Well, yeah, maybe you could tell our you know our listeners who didn't get to hear you the first time a little bit about your mission because you're this incredible keynote speaker, but you really have important stuff to say about you know adjusting and and making your your mental, physical, or emotional being uh, adjusted to the the future that is already here is kind of.
3: How I see it. <laughs> yeah. Well said. I mean, that's a good, that's a good summary to a certain extent. Um, I think what we have to realize is that we have accessed a very limited aspect of who we are as human beings. And when we were in the agricultural era, our uh, physicality was by far the most important thing. We never worried about analytics or logical thinking or argumentative debates. You know, and None of these things were important. And as the Industrial Revolution started to kick in, our physicality became irrelevant and we had to develop new skills, new brain pathways, new neural pathways. And really, the Industrial Revolution got us to understand that intelligence, logical thinking, and analytical thinking were by far the most important things. And they were for the time of economies of scale and efficiency. But as we evolved into the quantum phase now, we realized that our current programming, the current way we think, and what we are prized for, is going to become slowly but surely irrelevant, just like our physicality is irrelevant in a world of industrial revolution. And so will our logic and left-brain thinking and access to what they say between 8 and 10% of our brain's capacity is really a very limited aspect of who we are as human beings. And so from this perspective, I have been researching socioeconomic change, uh, mega trends, macro trends, and I've really kind of Isolated it down to neuroscience being the solution in preparation for the future so that we can access more of our brains and understand how to unlearn and change our awareness and then try and find solutions from a new state of awareness rather than trying to figure out a quantum world from an industrial revolution education and awareness. So that's really it's a culmination of years of research that's gotten me to the point that realizing that if you don't engage with socioeconomic change as well as trends ai as well as neuroscience you're actually going to miss a piece because you need all three to understand what you need to be doing
0: right well tell us tell us what it means what it what does it mean for us in in business who have you know who have businesses and we're probably doing it in an old school way to a certain degree i mean we're all on zoom but that doesn't mean we're we're hip to to the change of the world, right? What does what is, what is our future of business look like? I mean, what is what is that? And how do you help people understand what's coming and adjust to taking it in, right?
3: So, look, I mean, I think obviously we can't be as broad as what does it mean to business because every sector is different. And then right. again, inside every sector is different. Right. I think the, if we think of this in a broad term, I think the best way to think about it is that if technology has impacted your industry, you would have realized that your industry had become so cheap to engage with that most people engaging with it for free. Let me give you some examples. Kodak and Fujifilm, no more around because it costs you nothing to take photos and to share them. Um, All the cell phone and uh, sort of teleco, telcos around the world have changed business models and become technology businesses or transformation, digital transformation partners for corporations because communication is free. Then you extrapolate that into music, EMI, Sony, Virgin. They're not here anymore. Now Spotify is giving you so much music with YouTube. So what I'm trying to get across is that on a broad scale, every single sector will be impacted by the converging technologies that make things free. And so right now it's obvious that communication, photos, entertainment, all of these things are free almost, like close to free. And when we think about what's coming next, most people struggle with because what's coming next is free transportation, free energy. And here's the big one free services, and this is a tough one, and this is really what we need to aim in at, is that most of us in the world are trained in services. So, I'm a strategist, and uh, there's lawyers, and there's accountants, and there's nutritionists, and there's… name any service, right? All of those are going to be replaced by AI. Why? Because it's faster, cheaper, just like the steam engine is better than our bodies. All services are going to there. And Yuval Harari actually named it the beginning of the useless class and he said that we will have a couple billion people that were highly regarded just one decade ago that will become useless because of the logical sort of brain structure that we have developed and studied for for the last 200 years becoming irrelevant so we have to move in phases and so the first thing you have to think about is converging technologies makes every industry almost free okay That's, that's coming whether if it has arrived by you or not it's coming
0: right right it's, now the what, second well, thing. What does, that, yeah. what does that mean for th- go ahead no no no, no no
3: no 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 you go you go okay what well does mean what
0: is that how do people make money am i is that the stupidest question ever
3: no no i think also realize that and i think that's people, where
0: the fear comes like what do i do sure, how do i live? Sure, sure. how do i
3: live but remember but remember people used to live by being farmers And they became office workers, and they were production line people, and they learned new skills. And all the skills from the farming era are irrelevant today. Right. you know how to plow a ground? No, you don't. So, you learn new skills. Where you're coming from is a state of awareness that is panicking in the fact that the future is unfamiliar to you. Yes. So, you're not arriving at it with curiosity to say, well, let me go in. You're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So, your initial reaction is not one of excitement, but of fear, which is already the first bad step, Right. So we'll deal with that just now. We'll, we'll talk about that just now. But let's talk about um, how to make money. And so realize that there's two things happening in parallel: technology and AI are going to make many, many, many things that we access for free. Right? You don't buy CDs anymore. You don't go to movies anymore. You don't get DVDs anymore. You you don't, uh, you, don't you don't pay for photos anymore. Like there's so many things you don't pay for anymore. And so this is going to be extending into many things. So more people will have access to more information, more transportation, more everything for free, because today, we know the stat I'm sure you've heard it before, but a child in Nairobi with an access to the Internet has more access to information than the President of America did in 19, I don't 1995, let's say, right? right? So we understand that information has become commoditized, so now everybody's got access to information. So, does it cost you to go to university? No, not anymore because now you can be YouTubing in a Wi-Fi hotspot somewhere and you can can study for free. And so, you realize that many things are becoming free. And in that process of all becoming free, more people are becoming smarter and more people are getting access to more. So, which means that your uniqueness, your genius your God-given talents become your currency of the future. Remember that the Industrial Revolution, you were prized for conforming and fitting in to the society. So, religion, politics, uh, jobs, all of this was about conforming. Pharmaceuticals, alcohol, these are all conforming. Then you take psilocybin and, oh my God, that's a drug. But hang on, your child's on Ritalin, you're drinking a bottle of whiskey, and your mother's on Prozac, but... God forbid there's a marijuana joint anywhere. Like think about the conformist ideology that people were scared not to go to church today. Like everything's changing. Right. 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 So the currency today is not fitting in, it's fitting out. And so in a world of commoditized services, we have to start fitting out and becoming unique in what we do. So, but there's many ways to skin this cat. So you ask me any questions you want, and then I can go into the phases of what work in the future of work could possibly look like.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, OK, so it, say I'm coming from a place of excitement and I think I can because <laughs> because I can switch like that and I'm an actor. Um, so, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: excellent. Yeah, excellent.
0: So, you know, and, and if I'm excited about the future where, you know, what, what what is the what is the next what is the next step for me? How do you prepare yourself to be adjusted? Do you know what I mean?
3: firstly i don't know if you know this are you there
0: no there you go then now you're back
3: okay you're back yeah so you will uh you won't need actors i know ai will create them and already right now you can deep a caveat right so acting is also out um Hey, hey john yeah I'm going to, I'll, I'll clean
1: that up and edit it. Can you start from the beginning? Okay. You, you cut out just so yeah, we get good. the I'm full, gonna... full description. Where was well, I? Well, I?
3: remember now. <laughs>
0: uh, um, there won't be were... actors anymore.
3: <gasps> okay. Okay. You're gonna, okay. Geez, you're a good actor. There um, you go. So uh, that if, about being excited, it's really about a behavior. Um it's about something called agile opportunity to be optimistic about our behavior in a state of curiosity and fascination rather than in a state and trepidation. And so this is a skill. It's a, it's, a, it's a skill that was never prized before, but it's something that we have to develop. It's a malleability of your neuroscience, your brain and how it actually operates. But I think what we have to do is It's important also to think about the future of work in phases. And I think that's really key because what we have is we have, I suppose, another five years or so to go of things that we still understand. In other words, AI won't be developing and be rapidly deployed in all organizations, and we'll still be using actors a little bit, and there'll still there'll still be nuances of the old world around for the next five years. I think after the next five years, it becomes quite murky in what AI does and how it moves, and I don't think anybody can really tell us. We also have the collapse of the current world. Think about the dollar being um, uh, challenged. Think about oil being challenged as a global power source now with green energy. There seems to be a lot. Of change happening. We we even have the end of the patriarchy. You know, we have so many things changing where the kids don't even want to be joining genders anymore. So, like there seems to be like a a total ending of things. So let's go phase one. And phase one is really thinking about three different sectors that will really start doing well and are gonna have got some growth potential. And they are the green sector which is all about green energy. We know this is still growing. There's a lot of people being hired in that space, a lot of new technology being developed. Education. We are seeing a proliferation of education around the world. Billions of people never had access to education. Now they do. Now you have an opportunity for one lecture to lecture thousands of people. So for the next four or five years, AI teachers aren't quite here yet, we don't think. But eventually they will be. And they'll be much better than a normal teacher because they'll understand a, thillion, a trillion things better than a teacher will. And then the third one that we're seeing growing is also agriculture, because there's new types of agriculture happening, more urban agriculture, more precision agriculture. There's different types that we are starting to explore with. So those are the three sectors. If you're thinking about three sectors that you want to get into, green energy, education, and agriculture. But underneath both of those, or three of those, what we have to realize is that. There's two main skills that are not going to go anywhere, as in these two main skills are required no matter what sector you're in. And the first one is human skills. And that's all about sort of leadership, social influence, ability to work collaboratively, be lateral in your thinking, be unique in your skill sets. These will become more and more important because you'll be working with.
0: Let me me stop you because I want to make sure sure that everybody hears this and that I'm understanding correctly. So when you say, That the human traits, there's always going to be, that's always going to be kind of a key factor, right? You can't take away the humanness of the human being. Is that what you're saying?
3: I'm saying it's even going to become more important. Yeah. So remember that if you were just a good accountant, you didn't have to be good with people, you didn't have to be lateral in the way you thought. You just have to follow the process, the system that you were taught at school. Right. But today, engaging with people on a continuous basis, unlearning, relearning, social influence, social impact, thought leadership, these become highly important because your personal brand now is what how people are engaging with you. This becomes a, it's a new thing that your PhD and your MBA aren't cutting it. You know, They're not teaching these skills as per se. Right. And then the other thing that is not going anywhere is technological adoption, your comfortability With analytics, with big data, with new technologies, with understanding how to engage with them. And so, if you think about these sort of like the biggest jobs that we are thinking about over the next year or two are AI and machine learning specialists, uh, sustainability specialists, um, uh, sort of cybersecurity, data analytics, uh, agriculture equipment operators. These are Almost like obvious, right? If you start to think about them, like obvious. With agriculture growing, obviously, that needs to grow. With uh, um, um, education growing, obviously, you're going to need more sort of intelligence analysis. You're going to need more information security. So, those are obvious, right? So, this is next next five years, that's what's happening. And I think this is what we also… You have some comfort in, right? So, yeah, it's kind of familiar. We kind of understand it. These are the current skills that we understand. But that's just phase one. And I reckon that we have another five to seven years to go of this phase one. And, and I'm being generous. I, it might be shorter than that. But the, we have to then start to figure out phase two, right? And that's really the big, the big uh, sort of abyss that we have to prepare for. But before I go into phase two, do you have any questions? you want to unpack anything?
0: I, I, I think I'm tracking. And I'm like, I'm, I, 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 I am excited. I am, you know, the, the part of me that is the actor is like, well, wait. Doesn't my humanness as an actor matter? You know, I mean, aren't you going to be able to tell? It's kind of like digital versus film, right? Film is rich and has texture. There's something about it. It's even analog versus digital. It sounds different in analog, right? Uh, We take it in as human beings differently. But digital is the future, right? Digital is AI. Digital is what we're doing now. Digital, digital, digital. And it loses some emotional connection,
3: don't you think? Of course it does. But again, remember that you are coming from a certain level of awareness. Yeah. And your legacy is in acting. Yep. And so for you, these things are important. If you want to extrapolate this into the younger generation, do you think they'll give a… They don't yeah. care. Like they're moving. There's other things happening. Think about music, Right. Think about music. Think about the fact that we don't listen to albums anymore. We don't queue outside music stores to wait for a drop of an album. What we do is listen to genres. So it's almost like the music's still good. We don't care who's making it. Just like you don't care who grows your oranges. Back in the agricultural era, families were proud about their oranges.
0: Look, so let me. I'm sorry to interrupt, but don't...
3: Go, you, go, of course.
0: It's important... I mean the guy who grows the orange you know, for me, I wanna go to a small farm where they're growing the oranges and there's there's you know, there's care in the soil and there's not GMOs and there's not, you know, pesticides and do you know what I'm but saying? you are
3: but but you are in the top two percent of the world. Uh, I. that's, true. that's so, true. So so what- you, you've got a luxury you, you've gone yeah. full circle I into it. the luxury of that. Today, you, you you go to India and Africa. Do you think they care if the no, movies? No, no, got no. real and, actors and, 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 and I agree, or, I agree you know. with that. I agree yeah, with that. So but India and Africa, you just want them to eat and be healthy. And you know. watch any movies. Whoa. And again, just like, you know, so I think, yes, in our current states, like you'll get some people to say, I never want to give up a book. I love curling up next to a book. Well, you know, there's no more music shops out there anymore. And there won't be bookstores in the future because there'll be other ways to access yeah. the information.
0: Yeah.
2: You
3: know, sitting and just reading is that so we must also think about not extrapolating our current awareness into the future yes. and panicking. That's got what we're doing. Most people it. do that, right?
0: I, yeah. I, I get it, because it's not gonna go away. And I guess no, I guess I'll just have to say that two percent that's just like caring about these certain things. So go to phase two. I I I yeah, I'm ready. So
3: so good, 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 good. Yeah, I don't think anybody is, including myself, Muriel, and which I, which I, oh, yes. before I, I start saying that,
0: this, that, that, that
3: makes me see that you are human. Yes. Yes, I am very much human. Yes, okay. I am very much human because I can also tell you that my career is disruptible, incredibly disruptible. Right. And so what we have to do is we have to realize that all of us are in this boat together. It's not just you, it's not just me, it's everybody. And so phase two has a murky and unclear, Um, expression of what we're going to be doing because I think over the next five to seven years, by the end of this decade, not only will artificial intelligence would have extrapolated way past us in our intelligence quotient, and this might be a little bit controversial, but I do think we'll have aliens landing. And and I'll tell you why I say that is because just watch what all the media houses around the world are doing. They're just prepping us, you know, every government's coming out, everybody like, it's just, and in and, and, and it changed all during COVID because we went from some people thinking you cuckoo if there was aliens to, oh yeah, obviously there'll be aliens. You know, like it was a switch in consciousness, like which is the weirdest thing, right? Right, and, so, and right before
0: COVID were all the movies about it. Remember, like there yes, was exactly. like all the what. They, they kept coming out like over and over and over. Just to That's pre- right. And I do
3: believe yeah. that
0: entertainment prepares us for things that are happening.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so let's understand that um, we don't know what's coming. So phase two is not about work per se. It's about human preparation for all eventualities. Right. That's the key here, because if you don't know what the outcome is, the only thing you can manage is your behavior. Yeah. And so, your behavior becomes the skill. Right. And so that you are able to be naturally curious and excited. Now, what, what are the skills that are required? The number one skill that we all have to do and are forced to do is to access our genius. Is to yeah. access the pocket of genii that's been gifted to us as our life path. And in work and in school, you were never given the opportunity to access your genius because if you were trying to access your genius at school, you were called a troublemaker because <laughs> at school it was about fitting in, not fitting out. Yeah. So why access your genius? And it's not this big lofty idea of accessing your purpose. It's really just about following the golden thread of your curiosity And your curiosity and my curiosity and every single person's curiosity in the world is as unique as their fingerprints. Why? Because what excites you is different to everybody else's. So you combine whatever it is that you think is amazing, which makes you unique. And think about this. You have me on your podcast. The only thing I have that why I'm here is because of my unique curiosity to preparation for the future linked to neuroscience and business strategy. And let me ask you, nobody else is doing that because I haven't seen it. I'm on the lookout. I'm oh. like, who else is doing something like this?
0: Well, that's why we and keep so, asking you back. <laughs> it's, exactly.
3: Exactly. And, and thank you so much. But this is what the unique currency looks like. Yeah. Because in your uniqueness, people celebrate you. Because guess what? In a world of commoditized information, what do you want? You want something unique. In a world of commoditized restaurants, what do you want? You want Michelin star. In a world of commoditized fashion, what do you want? You want something unique. And so this is going to become the thing of the future. So number one, in order for you to become adaptable, in order for you to naturally unlearn, to relearn, in order for you to be curious, you have to access your genius. Because the minute you access your genius, the repercussions of that are so excited about this thing. I can't stop researching it. I'm so excited about what the next iteration is. I'm so keen to learn something new about it. And then all of a sudden, you get pulled into a rabbit hole because of that genius and that in your priority. And don't
0: you think you access your genius through silence and meditation?
3: Well, look, I think there's many ways to access your genius. The first way I would say is exposure to as many different careers, businesses, startups, and sectors as possible. Why? Because it's through exposure that you start connecting the invisible dots of your persona. Then the second phase is stillness. Because then what you do is you you sit with that sort of exposure and then you go inwards and then exposure and then then inwards. Exactly.
0: Right. Well, it
3: takes
0: takes root, right? It takes root. And then then you can remind yourself to behave a certain way. You can remind yourself to believe the way you want to believe and undo those repetitive thoughts. I mean, you talked about in that that last episode, um, you know, those repetitive, we thinking the same hundred thousand thoughts every day we yes. can remember to not think those thoughts
3: we can remember well, new thoughts I, I think I think the thing is is, is to catch yourself becoming aware be, being yes. aware and yes. catching yourself going through the old routine right the old triggers yeah yes. and quite literally telling yourself to stop and to think something new choose a new thought and in that state of awareness, you are able to actually catch yourself. But the thing that's going to fuel you is your genius. Because if you're forced to study something that somebody's told you to study, guess what? You don't have the energy to follow through on it. You just don't. You're going to run out of energy.
0: Right, And so
3: the the job is twofold. Actually, maybe threefold. The (laughs) the first job is access your genius through curiosity, through exposure, through stillness. The second job is to... Understand distribution as well as possible because we have the internet with 5 billion people attached to it. Right. How are you distributing your products, your services, your uniqueness online? Like what is your what is your drive around distribution? And today it's called influencers, but actually the truth is it's it's about distribution. So how do you learn more about distribution? Yeah. And then the third thing is to keep an eye and to think about how you think. Because you've got to understand the hardware mechanism inside your head that's keeping you stuck to old ways of thinking. So you yes. need to service that process through meditation, use right. of psilocybin, trauma healing, all these things yes. that unhook your thinking. Then, So now what you've done is you're thinking about thinking, you're accessing your genius, and you're looking at distribution. Yep. And this becomes the kind of the next phase from this perspective and this level of awareness that I see As a potential way for us to express ourselves in the future.
0: Absolutely. You're amazing. I I just love talking to you. You make me so happy because you make, well, what's great about what you're doing because you know your genius and you're always expanding your genius is that you, I think your genius is helping others to get excited. That's the genius of you, right? Instead of being afraid. You know, I went through my fearful, I had my fearful question. And then, like, it, it, already I'm like, oh, whoa, let's, let's go. Let's take more. Let's expose ourselves to more. I'll learn more about, you know, distribution. I'll learn more about this. And yeah. that's what he is. I hope everybody who's listening can really feel how your information is this kind of wonderful tapestry of, like, how we can move into the future excited and feeling you, you know, like I think I think we want to feel playful, youthful, excited, curious, you know, that and, that and curiosity is something that we have as children. And I think we have to get back to that childhood, like childlike curiosity. Anyway, it's so great to have you. Please come back again because we want to just I look to-
3: forward to it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wonderful to be with you again. And I look forward to seeing you in the States real soon.
0: Absolutely. See you again, and you know, travel safely. I'll see you. Thank somewhere. you.
3: <laughs> yes, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Awesome. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to The Morning Show with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi right here on KZSB 96.9 FM and 1290 AM in Santa Barbara. Welcome back to Outcomes the Sun.
2: Thank you so much for being with us and sticking around. Well, I know that you're probably charged up like an electric volt after that amazing conversation I was just about levitating off my seat I was so excited with our conversation with John and his his incredible mind so let me bring some information if I may about energy in in respect to what John has just shared with us about the futures and energy I want to bring it into we've talked about the bedroom before and not in a naughty way we've talked about the bedroom and how we create the haven for you one of the things I want to talk to you about is in respect of John's message of being nowhere, nobody, at no time, create that haven for you. In feng shui, we talk about removing the television, the computer, and these items from your bedroom, from your place of respite. When you remove that electrical charge in uh, in that way from your room and that symbol of work, of, of escapism, the television helps you escape. And a lot of people, and some people don't escape. They get too connected. If you remove these from the bedroom you are energetically creating a field of incredible respite and haven so that you can go deep into your prayer and meditation deep into your quiet time and when you don't have that around you you don't have the the uh the pull to turn it on to check one more thing on your email remove that from your room now i have i do have some friends and some of my clients who take the, the phones out of their bedroom as a, as a mother of children who travel and I often wanna make sure that they're okay uh, my own nervousness not my probably my strongest energetic highest level of knowing they're okay but my nervousness I'll keep the phone nearby where I can grab it in the event of right so I know it's difficult but don't have it right next to your bed have it across the room where you could get it uh, in a in a quick step if you needed to but we're creating that force field if you will of quiet and and quietness by removing the electricity from your room. Obviously not your lamps. I'm not asking you to bring in the, the kerosene and having a having an old lamp in your room, but removing the television and the computers are the most important thing you can do for your energetic and for your energy to, to kind of come down to a hum right before sleep. So that when you do go into sleep, it's peaceful and deeper. Now don't go anywhere. I'm telling you, just turn the volume up because the next person coming up is my gal, my co-host, Meryl Hemingway, sharing with you her best information on health, wellness, and balance. Stay tuned.
1: And next, Energy with Melissa Yamaguchi.
2: Back to Outcomes the Sun. I'm Melissa Yamaguchi here with my co host and bestie in the Westie. Well, really, all over the plesty is Mariel Hemingway. And I'm here to share with you an energy tip. So, what I want to share with you is the feng shui of driving. And I experienced this this morning. So, I am speaking to you from a truly organic space. When navigating a, a really congested road, no matter how, how fast, Everyone around you is going, no matter how tempted you are to get to the, fi- to your destination spot. In feng shui, there's a method to driving, it really is. Now, my husband will t- say, stay in the, the lane to the far left, the far right, stay in the slow lane and just navigate your way around. But my, my anxiety with that is that there's people coming in on the off ramp and it stresses me out. I don't want to have to work around them. Stay in the fast lane. You'll get there to where you're going. There's a carpool lane also here in California. There's a lot handling. In feng shui, you have got to set the interior of your car to a space that is incredibly comfortable and healthy for you so that you can stay clear headed you've got to have your temperature on your car can't be too hot I know that this is logic but you know what the more you study feng shui and the concept of energy you'll realize a lot of it is logic and just things that make sense so the reminder is the temperature of your car if you want a smell in your car some people don't want a smell I know that I, I know many people who don't like even perfume but if you want a smell in your car the the, the, the goal is to create an interior environment A feng shui balance in that car so that you are focused and you can stay relaxed you have to be able to navigate your way around road rage around people who are in a hurry around people who stop suddenly break there's things happening all the time there was a fender bender on the on the 101 today when i was driving that slowed everything down and i had i had i been too hot or too cold or something happening or too much a ricky-ticky something happening in the car i would not have been able to function please ensure when you get in your car Keep it clean. Get all the debris out. You have to, you should empty your car every night before you retire for the evening so that you don't have receipts on the floor or straw paper in the corner or or trash, whatever. Your environment must be kept like you are keeping your home. It has to be feng shui and balanced. Remember your temperature. Remember the scent, the smell of the car, the cleanliness of the car so that you can be more organized and thoughtful on the road. Now, don't go anywhere while you're in that car. Don't drive off the road and clean it up too much. Stay tuned. Stay here. Mariel Hemingway is coming back soon to talk to you about health and balance.
3: Hello, wonderful humans out there. I am Roy Zatiski from mywildlife.com, and you are listening to Comes the Sun with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Hey, everyone. You're
0: listening to The Morning Show with Mariel Hemingway, me, and Melissa Yamaguchi. That'd be me. <laughs> right here on KZSB 96.9 FM and 1290 AM in Santa Barbara.
1: And now, Mariel Hemingway with Balance.
0: you so much. You are listening to Outcomes the Sun Radio with Melissa Yamaguchi and Mariel Hemingway. That's me. And I want to tell you a little bit about something that might be a good choice for you. It may not, but I'm going to talk about intermittent fasting. Uh, a lot of people are really into it these days, right? It's because It's kind of a fad, but I actually think there's something to it. I've been intermittent fasting for several years now. And, and I remember prior to intermittent fasting, let me explain what intermittent fasting is if you don't know what it is. So after your last meal of the day, which for me is no later than six o'clock, unless I've gone out to dinner and that's when, you know, all, all rules fly out the table. But For the most part when i'm home i don't eat later than six o'clock and i give myself 16 to 18 hours before i eat again the following day now what happens in that intermittent in that time of fasting because actually what breakfast means is the break of your fast breaking the fast right but intermittent fasting you give yourself a long enough time and what it does is it turns on hgh which which is our natural it's called human growth hormone and it's very you know it helps with your metabolism it helps with your energy it actually helps with your focus not everybody is designed to intermittent fast so again always with your health especially with physical health it's really up to you and you know yourself best Some people and and Bobby is one of those people that he intermittent fasts to a certain degree, but he needs food all the time because he has a metabolism that goes really fast. He knows that about himself. So he, he does things. He usually does a shake or a juice or something like that. I don't like to eat uh, before 16 to 18 hours. But that being said, I do have coffee with heavy cream, and it's organic and raw, um, actually, because raw means that it hasn't been pasteurized. And raw means when it's unpasteurized and raw, there is a bacteria in it, good bacteria, that helps you digest it. It's So it's actually really good for you. That being said, I do have that. and And so cream, heavy cream, is a fat, and that doesn't break your fast just so you know. I also do um, in the morning uh, amino acids. There's a powder and there's pills. It's a better health, I think, uh, is the amino acid that I like to use. Um, But that is a great way to keep your fast going. And it doesn't break your fast either, even though it is, um, you know, it is a protein, but it's an amino acid and it's not, it doesn't, turn the digestive system on in the same kind of way. So that's what intermittent fasting is. See if it's right for you. See if you could try and you don't. And by the way, an intermittent fast, as long as you do 14 hours, that that is considered an intermittent fast. So if it's new to you and 16 hours sounds like an eternity, Try 14 hours and see if that works for you. And maybe even try 12 hours because there are, you know, there are some people that eat, you know, every eight hours or something. But um, I highly recommend it to. I don't know. There's something about it for me that I feel incredibly like vital when i don't eat right away I, and bobby talks about and he talked about it on our show that when you stretch first thing in the morning like when you're stretching and you do that it it releases glycogen into the body which enables you to continue that fast for a longer time so that that's it that's how got
2: i loved it. how you were negotiating the time 16 to 18 or maybe 14. you can do 12 some people do eight at the t- if we would have stayed with you long enough, I would have been snacking every thirty minutes.
0: <laughs> Anybody would be upset with me. And also, I'm not a doctor, okay? So don't like come at me. Don't come at me with any like stuff. Anyway, this has been an amazing show. What uh what a treat to be able to share with you John Sonny, and all of our ideas on everything. 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 Thank you to John Sunny, He's amazing. Thank you to
2: Dr. D. Thank you to Jeremiah. Thank you to Slater. Thank you to you, Mariel. Thank you to me.
0: Thank you for the <laughs> sun to always come out. Yes. Thank you so much. And we'll see you soon. Choose healthy. Choose you. Out comes the sun. Please go to MarielHemingwayFoundation.org. Help us create a resource navigator for people with mental health issues. We're coming up with solutions.
1: Outcomes the Sun has been a production of Evolve Entertainment. Hosts, Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Executive producer, Jeremiah Higgins. Sound engineer and producer, Richard Dr. D. Dugan. And sound engineer, Slater Smith. Thank you for listening.